Good morning. Good morning. How did you sleep? I slept very well, considering. And is this you saying you slept well, or is this your any of your biohacking tools saying you slept well? Uh, yeah, both. So, uh, and I, because I, I, I had half a bottle of wine last night, and that interferes with my sleep, or it normally would interfere with my sleep, and it didn't. Um, so I didn't really wake up in the night before I got out of bed, which was obviously early because I always wake up early. But no real um, disturbances, so pretty good. Mm. HRV was really, really bad. But yeah, we're not talking about HRV, are we? We're talking about sleep. I don't know. Then maybe they're connected. But let's stay with let's stay with sleep. So HRV being heart rate variability, right? Yeah, yeah. So. You know, I um, I resisted for a very, very long time to use any biohacking because I just, I'm not interested. I didn't think I was. I wasn't actually interested. And uh, I also had this idea that if I started measuring things, there might be a placebo effect that I wouldn't really enjoy and I would stop listening to my own uh, intuition or my my own interpretation of what's going on in the in the body and in the mind and in the emotions but as you know two months ago i started using whoop and the main reason for it was to measure sleep and understand more about sleep uh, and you are a bit of an expert because you have been a nerd in this area for for quite a while <laughs> well, uh, indication uh, illustration of how much of a nerd i am is that aura came out with its third generation ring and I have a perfectly uh, fine generation two ring, but I had to buy the third generation ring anyway. So I've pre-bought that. It will arrive in a few weeks time and I'm really looking forward to it. So I had actually the first generation Aura ring. I think I started tracking my sleep through Aura about seven or eight years ago. Yes. So I'm a bit of an early adopter of this type of stuff. I've also used the Whoop for a year. I've used pretty much everything. Garmin. So maybe if we stay with Whoop and Aura, maybe maybe you can just give a short explanation of what that is for anybody who's never even heard the, the Whoop or the Aura being named before. Yeah. So they are both biohacking tools or they measure vitals in the body. They measure heart rate, uh, in particular resting heart rate, which is the lowest heart rate in the night, as well as HRV, which is heart rate variance or heart rate variability. Um, then on that basis, uh, and one of them, the Aura ring also measures body temperature. So this is the hard data. And from that, it can the, the AI can conclude a lot of things. For example, sleep quantity, sleep quality, sleep disturbances, so continuity. Um, and uh, so these tools then become tools that measure not only heart rate, which is great from exercise point of view and from the point of view of general overall health and you know impact of alcohol and all that kind of stuff. But by extension, it also measures then sleep quantity and quality and regularity and continuity, which is the four most important aspects of sleep. So in particular, the aura ring through body temperature as well, which is what it does over and above the whoop, 
it gives you a really good indication of how well you've been sleeping in the night, which I find really useful. But there is one disadvantage, as you say, and that it, you can come, become quite obsessed with the data. And that, in the case of sleep, can have bad impact because once you become obsessed with sleep, it will interfere with your sleep, right? Mm, yeah. So two months into this, so I'm still a beginner, I can conclude that it hasn't interfered with my sleep at all. So, which is interesting, I find. So the question is then, how has it helped me? I mean, is is what's in it really? How am I, how am I using the data that I get? And I I don't look as much as, at it as as I believe you do, but there's still a couple of interesting things. And um, one thing that I find myself doing is that I I compare the data I get to how do I actually feel, and then I make a point out of noticing if if there is a discrepancy between how I feel and what the data is telling me, what what do I do with that discrepancy? So do, do I go with how I feel or do I adapt because the, the uh, data is telling me something else? And I, that is something I'm still exploring. And um, I, for most of the time, especially when the data is very, very good, I do notice that I do feel very, very good. On the other hand, if the data is not good, I don't notice it as much as really, really bad. That's probably one of the conclusions, a very simple one. So the question is then, does the data pick up on something that I'm not sensitive enough to pick up myself? So if I listen to the data, which would be saying, you know, take a rest day, basically, is one of the conclusions you get, don't exercise too much today. If I follow that, does that mean that I'm less likely to catch any illness because my body is prompted more for rest than for exercise? I'm exploring that. So maybe you can throw some light on that if you know more. Um, no, I, I, I guess I do pretty similar. I, for me, it's a little bit different at the moment because of uh, long COVID. So I haven't exercised at all, really, for six months now. Um, and. Um, uh, I, I'm getting back to it because the long COVID is pretty much finished, but I'm just waiting for the right moment, uh, probably later this month. So you had COVID in May and... June, yeah, early June. And you still have uh, symptoms from the long COVID now? Yeah, yeah it's pretty much gone, to be honest. Um, but the, the going back to exercise is probably the, if you look at the advice on long COVID, that's the last thing you would do. When all the symptoms are gone, then you can go back to exercise. So... So I, I have seen in the last six months really weird stuff in my data, um, not regarding sleep necessarily. Sleep has been pretty much unaffected by long COVID, but my HIV and my general sort of recovery rates. Uh, my ring, my aura ring is telling me not to exercise. My doctors are saying when you have long COVID and also Dr. Google tells you, uh, when you have long COVID, you shouldn't exercise. So all the, and I didn't really feel like exercising either. So pretty much everything is pointing towards not exercising. Now I'm starting to feel really like I'm not to exercise again, but I'm giving it a few more weeks. So I suppose one thing that I've started doing more, and let's connect that to what we know about sleep, is if I have 
if I feel I had a bad night's sleep and if my data is telling me, yes, you did, and, and your HRV and your recovery is low, um, I, uh, I rest in the afternoon if I can. And resting for me might mean a longer meditation. It might mean um, actually a nap, a proper nap. Uh, it might mean just being more still. So sitting still reading rather than being out walking or, or being in lots of meetings. I do adapt my day activity. Um, so what, what do we know about that and sleep? So napping versus sleeping. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is a really important um, a point you're making. And I, I have done, as you know, the same thing. I have been, actually most days, I I more more often than not i have either a nap or a meditate or a resting period and it's in particular around sort of late afternoonish that this is really useful for me the day the, the what i understand about sleep is that um napping is fine as long as it is not too late so I think as a rule of thumb, we probably say that you don't nap in the evening. So not after six, seven in the evening, but before that, I think it's fine. The, the, the technicalities around that is that if you nap, you basically take off slightly the sleep pressure. Sleep pressure is essentially what makes you fall asleep at nine or 10 or 11 o'clock in the evening. So when you nap, you, you release a little bit of that sleep pressure, sleep pressure. But as long as it is early enough, you will have enough sleep pressure sleep pressure to fall asleep and evening. how long is ideally a nap if you connect that to REM sleep and deep sleep and do you actually get both REM and deep sleep when you nap in my my data says that I don't get any REM sleep when I nap but only deep sleep or light sleep primarily light sleep and that's that's quite normal because you know, REM sleep is always towards the second half of the night, right? So if you have a seven-hour sleep period in the night, the first half is light sleep and deep sleep, and the second half is primarily light sleep and REM sleep, right? So the three stages of sleep, roughly speaking, there's a lot more, but roughly speaking, there's light sleep, REM sleep, and deep sleep. Deep sleep in the first half of the night, REM sleep in the second half of the night, light sleep throughout the night depending on the, so it goes in cycles. And so if you do an, if you have a nap, obviously you don't get into that stage where you, where you have REM sleep. So you won't dream very much during a nap either. Generally it's mostly deep sleep. Um, yeah. And so, and just while we are on the subject of deep sleep and REM sleep, you know, I can talk about this a lot. Uh, I'm a bit of a nerd with regards to sleep. I love it. It's so exciting. So interesting. Um, deep sleep fixes our, and again, this is not a uh, hard sort of difference between deep sleep and REM sleep, but in general, you could say that deep sleep is fixing the physical body and REM sleep is more about fixing the psychological side. So emotional side. So, and this is, I thought this is super interesting. If you go to bed early and wake up very early, there might be a risk that you lack REM sleep. Whereas if you go to bed very late and you wake up very late, there might be more of a risk that you lack deep sleep. So for you and me, we are both uh, larks, right? Early going, early going to bed, early waking up. 
the risk would be that we don't get enough REM sleep rather than deep sleep because we because we go to bed quite early, around nine, ten-ish in the evening. There's enough space for the in time for us to uh, have deep sleep. Whereas people that go to bed late, their risk might be that they don't get enough deep sleep. So this is this is a little bit odd because if you think about evolution and where we come from, so the circadian rhythm. So knowing that about one third of population is early to bed, early up, and one third is you know late to bed, late up, and then you have one third in the middle, you know, being able to adjust either either way. So it's weird that the deep sleep and REM sleep is not connected to the circadian rhythm in that sense, sort of adapted. Mm. Have you have you read anything about that? Well, what's really interesting here is whether we are really genetically built to be larks or night owls or somewhere in the middle. That's what I understand from evolutionary biology that we are. Yeah, yeah. So then what I'm saying, so I've just done, done another DNA uh, uh, thing uh, called circle DNA. I didn't tell you about this, I think. But uh, one of the things that came up in there was that I, genetically speaking, I'm a night owl. Oh, which was a huge surprise to me because I'm basically at half past eight, nine o'clock. My head starts to bop, and I I need to go to bed <laughs> and I wake up at half past four. You know, so I'm genetically a night owl, but I have obviously somehow along the line become a lark, very much so. Right, I never wake up with the alarm clock ever, ever. So this is interesting too. I think uh, thinking about what we can get used to when it comes to behavior. So. I can't remember in one of the podcasts, we probably talked about personality and preferences and how difficult it could, can be to, to really get to know yourself. So are you a creature of you know, an output of your behaviors, which may or may not be aligned with your personality? So you need to go deeper to understand your personality and see that the behaviors might be an, you know, a result of the, the environment you live in. So could it be the same with sleep that, you know, it's, it's the behavior. So it's your habits that have formed your sleeping patterns. But if you completely change the environment and your habits, you and start it again, you know, control, alt, delete and start again. Maybe you will, you will be up late. <laughs> back, back to being a night yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's interesting because I also connect sleep to you know different stages in life and and the conversation we've had with especially with parents to young babies where sleep is constantly interrupted so to read about sleep when you're in the middle of sleep deprivation and you can't do much about it because it's related to that stage of life might be quite stressful so to then Say that, okay, yeah, you know, if you continue this, you will suffer later in life because that's basically what research says that all the, uh, the, the diseases we get towards the end of life, like Alzheimer's, like, uh, yeah, well, more horrible diseases, there is a relationship to sleep deprivation and lack of sleep. So you go through life and you think you're fine because you can live life with less sleep than you need. So some people might say, you know, I'm fine with four hours per night. I can function really well. I feel great. I can exercise. I can do this. I can do that. Or, or you are at, you know, 
many, for many, many years, you are in uh, disrupted sleep patterns because of your family situation. What does that mean? That's a lot of rambling mm. from me, but what does that mean to you? Yeah. So, and there's a lot more examples that you can give, right? So I have children that are adults, young adults. And the way, I mean, Alec, the way he can, uh, the, the way he deals with sleep is just unbelievable. Maybe you remember when you were 19 year old, but he can go through a night without sleep, just drinking uh, or whatever else he gets up to. And then the next day, he sleeps 16 hours an hour, you know, that that's just amazing. And then 10 years, 15 years later, we become parents or, and then we, we have broken nights because, because of um, babies. Right. And then the research says that sleep deprivation throughout life has an impact on all the big four heart disease, cognitive disease, um, meta metabolism disease or diabetes and uh, cancer. Some cancers, not all cancers. That is really quite amazing. So we are clearly going through life having really quite bad periods of sleep, whether we are young adults and we like to go through the night or whether we are young parents and we have children that keep us awake at night. Somehow we, and then we get into our 40s and we sort of, for, we, we have high stress at work or whatever, and there might be other reasons why we don't sleep. And then we know that all this sleep deprivation is bad for us. So how do we deal with that, right? It's really quite a, quite an issue. So, so for me, one of the things is, yeah, accepting what is in the past. So I've had to also sleepless nights, sleepless nights, uh, nights when I was a young adult, I've also had sleepless nights because my children were young. And now I'm early fifties and uh, just <laughs> early fifties. And I am, uh, I'm just saying, well, what's in the past is in the past. I can do what I can do today. And what I do today is maximize for sleep. It's interesting though, because when we get older, the sleep quality gets worse. So we get to a point where, where there's for more, I suppose I'm generalizing, but for many people, it's easy to find time to sleep off, you know, when, in, in your 50s than it is in your 30s because you just don't prioritize it or you have young, mm. as we said, young children or earlier than that, you're a teenager and you prioritize partying and you don't feel like you need that sleep. But then you approach 50 and you learn about sleep perhaps, or if you don't, you have more time to sleep and you have more difficulty sleeping because that's, again, biology. Mm. Yeah, it's really unfair, right? <laughs> It's a bit unfair, but could it be? You know, we talk about the brain's plasticity and, and the fact that it's not static. It's not, you know, you did that as a, as a young adult and now you're going to suffer for the rest of your life. I mean, the body has just this amazing ability to, to recover and renew. And I mean, as just one piece of fact, all the cells in the body within a period of seven years, they are renewed. So it's, it's, we are almost reborn, you could say, each, seven, each, each period of seven years. So, so what does that mean when it comes to sleep? So can you make up for you know, bad years of sleep by improving it when you get better? Can you make up for not exercising as a teenager or young adult by starting exercising as, as you get older? And... Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, the science does say that uh, unfortunately we all sleep deprivation has an impact on our health in later in life um but yeah i mean we can sort of we can start 
get really depressed about that or we can say well you know what's in the past mm. we can't change and we can't control so let's accept that and move on and do what we can do today and that's what i'm doing so yeah sleep is probably a bit more important for me now than it has ever been and it's like fine-tuning those little things that make my sleep a better quality which i do a lot more now than a few years ago and already a few years ago a lot more than i did the years before that so although from an aging point of view i should have worse sleep because i focus on it and i work with all the tips and hints and tools and whatever i think my sleep is better than it was 10 years ago and certainly better than it was 20 years ago before we move into you know your top three, my top three. Let's just go back and forth a bit and see what our... I actually don't know what your number one tip is. Uh, and you don't know my number one tip either. But before we do that, I just wanted to to say, and this is a reminder to myself as much as suppose that this is just one factor that it's, 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 very, it's, it's very complex to live. I mean, sleep is one factor out of so many. So the impact of sleep versus the impact of, let's say, happy, healthy relationships it, you know, so let's say you stay up late and you compromise on sleep because you are with good friends and family and having loving relationships and socializing. That positive impact can that outdo the negative impact of lack of sleep, for example. And I'm sure you cannot compare it one to one. It's it's too complex for that. But the fact that there's so many parameters in life that increase life quality and perhaps also life quantity. So it's difficult to isolate. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, the, the key here is that it's a trade-off. And we need to be very conscious of the fact that it is a trade-off. And I think I've only been very recently that I've become conscious of the trade-off between that socializing, that family life, that friend's life, whatever it might be, which involves, for example, going out for dinner, for example, drinking alcohol, and the impact on sleep. So becoming really aware of that trade-off i know now also i mean i i'm having a very social week this week which involves alcohol i just know it's going to have an impact on my sleep i make the conscious decision to do it anyway right the best thing for my sleep the very best thing for my sleep would be to never out drink alcohol again or at least not more than one class and uh, you know one class could be at lunchtime that won't have an impact. But apart from that, any alcohol has an impact on sleep, right? It's unbelievably big, the impact. So, so the best thing for me from a sleep point of view would be to not socialize in the evening, not go out for dinner. And, and if I go out for dinner, then I shouldn't drink alcohol. Well, I choose not to, but I am very clear and very aware of the, cho the choice I'm making these days compared to in the past. So that's one of, I suppose, your number ones, which is to do with eating and drinking. One of my number ones that became really obvious to me was when I was, I was driving for a long time, for many hours, uh, late at night. And the impact the, it had on my nervous system, being concentrated, I was on my own in the car, so it was only me who could drive and it was dark. So the concentration and the uh, pressure on the nervous system really made me realize that when I got to where I needed to be and it was night, I could not sleep. So my nervous system was still active, although I was tired. I could feel the activity still going. So sympathetic nervous system is on. And it's not the physical 
exercise because sometimes that's more obvious to me if I do physical exercise too late it has a negative impact on my sleep mm. if I do yoga too late it has a negative impact on my sleep because it sort of energizes the body but this was new to me because it's driving it's not stress as such that I was aware of but it is stress to my nervous system mm. so the activities just before going to sleep which I think people know that there are certain things that are bad to do in the late evening but do you know all of them? And I, I suppose I didn't know this one. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I think the general rule is that we need to slowly prepare ourselves for sleep with a rest and relaxation and calming activities. And, you know, the impact of light, which is one of the other ones that I think is really important. The more light we get early in the morning, the more we um, will sleep better at night. And we need to be, so we need to increase our light in the morning, which is difficult in the winter in Northern Europe, right? And then we need to decrease our, our um, light in the evening. So we need to, we, for example, need to be very careful with using computers and phones uh, several hours before we go to sleep, because that interferes with, with our sleep, in particular, our deep sleep. So this is interesting, right? So gadgets like a light, a specifically a light that gives you enough light, so it mimics sunlight. When the sun only comes up at nine o'clock in the morning, but you want to already have light, so you you so I bought a sad light, S A D, seasonal affective disorder light, which is basically for people that get depressed because there's no, not enough daylight, and I just shine it in my eyes at um, six o'clock or so in the morning for for five or ten minutes. And then in the evening, I'm, I don't use them, but because I don't really use my computer very much in the evening. But if you use your computer, there are uh, blue blocker um, glasses, which are you know for ten or twenty pounds, you get a good pair, and they block the blue light from the computer or the phone, which really helps um, for people that want to use their computer in the in the evening um, to to block some of that light. And if that's not your issue, uh, using the screen. I learned the other day, I was reminded the other day uh, that any, any fire, so candles or fire is all fine. So that light does not interfere. And that's again, uh, evolutionary biology. So we are prompted to be okay with, with fire, but not yeah. with the blue light. So yeah. uh, another thing that is perhaps for people who wake up very early and by very early, I mean, you know, you, you really do need that sleep. So it's not that it's that you're done, you went to bed early and therefore you wake up early. But let's say you wake up around what I did this morning, uh, half past three. And I, being a morning person, I could easily get up and decide that this is when I do some creative work. And that's what I did last week. And then I know that has a negative impact on my data as well as on my, my I feel it. Uh, I haven't had enough sleep. So, so what I sometimes decide to do, and I told you earlier that that's what I did uh, last night, I put on a, a long meditation. So I, I stay in bed and I start listening to something which takes me out of my mind if I find it difficult to do with my own. Uh, and it makes me uh, stay still in bed. And so I'm resting even if I'm not sleeping. But usually what happens is that after that hour of uh, mindfulness practice or meditation, I can fall asleep for another hour. And knowing what you said about REM sleep, the reason I'm motivated to do that is because I notice 
on my data that I get REM sleep that last hour. And that has motivate, motivated me to do this. Yeah. And you know what? I don't think we talked about this, but I do exactly the same, right? So I used to get up at 3 or 3.30 in the morning because, you know, great, I'm awake. I can do all these great things. But I was I was motivated to get more REM sleep because of the, the research I've done over the summer. And I do the same. So I don't allow myself out of bed before 4.30. And I meditate as well. I do a... Um, tantric meditation which i read about in the book of secrets by osho and it's just fantastic uh, sometimes i fall asleep again but sometimes i don't but i feel like it's almost and it is probably not it feels like it's almost as high quality rest as sleep is i don't think it is because REM sleep obviously has so much benefit that um that meditation doesn't have but but this type of meditation i feel like it really has a positive impact so i need to tell you one more before we go because temperature we haven't talked about and i think temperature is a really important part of um, tips or or sleep hacks if you like because i think we generally are sleeping in too hot environment and because of the way when we when we sleep uh, in particular in deep sleep our body starts to cool down to prepare for deep sleep, which means that we actually, funnily enough, we start to sweat more and we feel hot, but our body is cooling down. And because our beds are too hot and our rooms are too hot, it has a really bad influence on, on sleep, in particular deep sleep. So I have invested for the first time ever. Do you remember Tim Ferriss wrote in his introduction to his book, Tools of Titans, two main tools of Titans. One was meditation and the other one was a a cooling down uh, thing that you put over your mattress and and i read about this eight it. years ago 10 years ago and i've i've been waiting for years for this to come to the uk because it's basically an america it's a couple of american companies it's very biohacky and um and they've opened their shop in the uk so i didn't have to pay the like ridiculous amount of money to ship it from the us uh, to the uk and all the you know duties and taxes and so on so now i have it and i've slept i've had it i've used it twice now <laughs> and i think the jury is still out of course it's um it's very very uh new but i think it's gonna have a huge impact on my sleep so because basically what you can do with an app is you can cool down your body artificially when you're in deep sleep um anyway i'll uh <laughs> that might be for a follow-up session Okay, well, well, now you prompt me to just share my gadget, which is the weight blanket, the weighted blanket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, which actually did improve my sleep as well. It's not, you know, it's not the solution to everything, but it's a cool sensation. I think it's, um, it's time to wrap up. And um, I suppose the key message is, if you don't know about your sleep, try to, try to, to do some kind of journaling or reflection about sleep both the quality and the quantity and see see what the insights you might get and what you're prepared to explore or try out yeah and i just i think i want to leave people with the why once more why is this so important so a couple of things on that one is that sometimes we talk about the three pillars of health the three pillars being exercise nutrition and sleep and i I think probably sleep is more the foundation for the other two. So it's a foundation for the other two pillars. So sleep is so 
underestimated the impact on health. And a way to describe that, I've heard that described by Matthew Walker, who is probably the best reference we can make here. The book wrote was called Why We Sleep. And um, he uses the broken water pipe analogy. So essentially, uh, like water that, that comes from a broken water pipe, it goes in every little part of your house. Well, sleep deprivation is like that. It, it really hits every little bit of your physiology, psychology, and biology. So we, we better deal with it.